0: drive goes patty casey for the basket <laughs> back door cut slider with the jam this is swider in close and one
1: welcome back to the swider show episode 18 with uh with patty casey patty how's your week been my boy
2: it's been great man um obviously a giant week for the show i mean this weekend this sunday it, it was very fun to watch Giant performance for someone we all care about, um, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> they punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts, all the boys. Um, yeah, I mean, since we started this podcast, wider the center of the sports universe has been Philadelphia. So, um, yeah, this weekend it went pretty well. How about you? Anything happened in your life?
1: Well, well, before we get into my life, how about Jalen Hurts? Yeah. Winning the NFC Championship and going right to Syracuse for the Syracuse-Virginia game. What about that?
2: I wasn't all that surprised. I mean, that's usually where champions go to to celebrate their victories (laughs) in the most fun city in the world, in Syracuse. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to do. I was a little salty given that that happened like months after I was gone. But, I mean, last year we had our fair share of cool guests. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean. Doing it the day after the <laughs> you punch your ticket to the Super Bowl, I thought it was like a joke when I first saw it.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. I I uh, I, I knew it was gonna be Eagles player, obviously based off of the Instagram post, but I, I was assuming, you know what I mean? Maybe maybe someone not as high profile.
2: I thought it might Bang. be McNabb. That's who I was going. That's who I was thinking in my head.
1: But that, that's a layup though. That's a layup for Weitzman.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I just had no idea what it was gonna be. Jalen Hurts. He would have been last, on my guesses. Really? <laughs> and it actually was him. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean...
1: No, nah, it, was, it, it was... It was cool to see him there. Obviously, that that sick picture with Coach Beheim going to shake his hand.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I smashed like on that. I think I might have given a retweet, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, another tough one for the Orange. It was just like a movie we've seen a lot, but...
1: Yeah. You yeah, know, it's a part of it. It's a young team. Um, But, yeah. like I said, I'm, I'm super excited to see, see this team just have the, all these... They played now. very well. They I mean, did. Like,
2: they did. Like, I mean, they gave Virginia all they could handle. It just the second half was a little tough. But um, well, I, yeah, mean, I mean, that's just really that's
1: cool. the same Virginia team that we played last year. It's the same yeah. exact team. I mean, like all those guys came back. They're all experienced. They all have those late game situations. I mean, think about it. We we had that pretty much the same game last year against them. Yeah. In this in the same environment, and they have every single guy back. And the only guy who really played in that game was on our team was Joe, and then I think Jesse fouled out that game, the game that yeah. he played. So, yeah, he did last year. So so it's just like you're, you're trying to – like Bayheim's trying to put together this offense and, and, and trying to put together these – against a team that has obviously one of the best coaches in the country, Tony Bennett, and then mm-hmm. guys who have been there and been in those situations and, and, have, and are obviously a very good team, number right. six team in the country.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just – it's just back-to-back years for Q. So you could say it about the Lakers too. And uh, Trevor, who was on the Trevor Lane, who's on the uh, podcast today, is our interview. He was talking about how like you're in a situation where your record is better than the team. And I feel like he was not back-to-back years. Like you watch them, and they don't strike you as a 13 and 10 team right now. But yeah. it's a mixture of. I mean, they've gotten way better throughout the year, and then the ACC is again like loaded, even though no one gives them credit. So. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it, I mean, it
1: it's yeah. just tough because no matter who you play on the road or I mean think about the, the teams that we're playing at home and stuff like that. It's just it's uh it's tough. Like Pittsburgh's going out and beating teams and and yeah. like everywhere. Right. Miami, we obviously get Miami a game on the road and it's like it's like we really can't catch a break. But it's yeah. it's all good, man. I, I I'm I'm happy with the way this team's progressing. I, I think we're I think we're gonna surprise yeah, I mean, the people at that at in the end the year.
2: I mean they're in. A, not a bad spot right now. They still kind of control their own destiny. So, like yeah. every single episode, we'll be we'll be updating throughout the week. But I kind of buried the lead there, Swider, with with Sunday, with my bad joke talking about the Eagles. But um, Sunday was your biggest performance to date as a professional. You guys beat the shit out of the out of the uh, <laughs> Santa Cruz Warriors, 152-118 final. Yeah. Uh, Swider Sheridan again is out this week. He has class or work or something. So, something um, like that, yeah. Shout, yeah, shout out to him. But uh, Cole Swider stat line, 31 minutes, 7 for 13 from the field, 4 for 7 from 3, plus minus, plus 20. So all the uh, analytics guys out there like that part. 23 yep. points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. And uh, no blocks, no steals. No surprise hey, there, but uh,
1: hey, but but Patty, <laughs> it, it, when when you were going into that stat line, were you expecting four assists? Well, yeah, I had looked
2: at it before, but okay, in like seeing the game, I would, I mean, four is four is usually where you sit. I feel like, especially in the G League.
1: Yeah, I mean, my usage is definitely up up in the G League, but yeah, but four, these guy's are assists, I mean, shots
2: all over the place. You also scored 150 points. We did,
1: we did score 150. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, we played them on Friday. And the running joke on our team is that they beat us in a close one on Friday is that they probably went out on Saturday.
2: Yeah. How much do you think that happens?
1: I think that it honestly depends on the city that you're in. I think with us, right. I think depending on the night it happens. I remember, I mean, I went out to eat with Buddy after the game and his whole entire team was planning a night out after after we played them. So yeah. I think obviously it obviously depends on the city you're in. I think L.A. obviously, like, especially when you're – When you're in the G League, like, we're in, like, the prime location. Like, you're going to Stockton. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to, like, Santa Cruz is a cool city, but, like, you're going to Detroit. You're going to freaking, I don't even know where Elijah's team is in in Wisconsin. Yeah. But, like, you're going to all these weird cities that have, like, these semi-decent crowds. And it's, like, you know what I mean? It's just different. And then you come to, with us, you're playing at a Lakers facility. You're 20 minutes outside of L.A. Right. Like, it's just, like, a perfect scenario to be in in terms of, in terms of, uh, a yeah, I feel like especially. I feel like
2: uh, fans are always curious about that because people talk about schedule losses with like back-to-backs and shit like that. But um, yeah, it's funny to think. I mean, you guys are also like most of you are like basically fresh out of college, and it's like a yeah. weekend night. Like, obviously, I mean, it's not you play so many games. It's it's in college that doesn't happen as much because you play two times a week. So if you go out the night before, it's like, what's the point of that? But if you're playing every weekend, like. I don't know. You're all adults. It's yeah. Well, well I, I, also it, I also think I
1: also think in college is like you leave right after the game too. Like you get there the night before. Oh yeah, um, good point. It it's like for for us at Syracuse, we get in at like seven p.m. and then you stay the night and then all right, like I guess yeah. I, I guess exactly. it's time to play. Like but right. like you get like twenty six hours in the city and then you leave. So college is definitely different. In the NBA and, and G more than the NBA, uh, like. There will be scheduled nights, nights out within the team, right? Like the, I think the team leaders will usually send out a text or send, send information like, all right, we're, we're going to do this and that as a team, and then and then we'll go from there. But definitely, like, yeah, it, I I I, I, uh, <laughs> I know L.A., New York, Boston, like, all, all those teams, like Dallas, Houston, like, yeah, all those teams. I definitely think uh, like
2: Miami. Like the Suns, when teams play the Suns, people talk about how, like, fun that nightlife is down uh, there, Fe- so. Phoenix is great. Phoenix is yeah. great. Yeah, that's hilarious to think about, but it's definitely also good for like team bonding and shit. Like that's when you actually become friends with your teammates. Oh, definitely,
1: but, definitely.
2: But um, yeah, aside from the nightlife, I mean, even if they did go out, you guys still beat them pretty good.
1: Oh, for sure. No, know no, that's I'm not an taking, Excuse, you know no, I mean? no, I'm not. I'm not taking away <laughs> from the win. I still played well. But uh, yeah. no. But but, but on a serious note, though, I I uh I, I feel like I'm getting back to myself for sure. Like. That Friday game, I got into a rhythm. I got I got, I got hot. I, I hit two threes in a row. Got up to, six, I think, like 16 points, five rebounds. So, uh, I'm starting to get my rhythm back, starting to get get back in the groove. I, I felt like that was coming, you know what I mean? I, I was telling my dad after uh, after the game, I was like, I was sitting at 10 points, and, like, I felt good. Like, I felt like I was in, in a rhythm, playing my game, and, and kind of like, I, I think we've talked about this a little bit, Patty, but I remember last year um, at Pittsburgh, I, I didn't have a great game, but... Like, I felt good, took yeah. all the right shots. Like, like, I... I Another Cameron, one
2: of those like, was, uh, at Cameron. Remember that? Yeah. Second half? Yeah. And he yeah, yeah, played yeah. very well after that.
1: Yeah. So it's like, just, just, just simple times like that. Like, for me, like, as long as I'm taking the right shots, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the right things, then, like, I'm like, all right, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in, the, I'm going in the right direction for sure. So I, right. I I felt that this weekend. Um, just trying to carry momentum over to, uh. Mexico City Capitanas tomorrow night. Is that their name? Is that how you yeah, say it? The, with the Capitans.
2: <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely not saying that right either. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that game's tomorrow night, ESPN plus. Um so yeah, and then we've kinda of talked about this before on the pod, but you then this is this weekend, Saturday. You play uh yeah. the G League Ignite. Can you just give a one- or two-minute breakdown of kind of how those teams are different than other teams? Because I think a lot of people see them on Instagram now, and they kind of market those teams a little bit more. No offense. But they got, like, the Scoot Hendersons of the world. So it's like... Yeah. When did those kind of come about, and how are they different than a team like
1: yours? Yeah, well... They've actually they've actually changed the model a little bit, but but going back to the beginning of the G League Ignite, it was the COVID season. So my junior year of college, which was the 20, 2020, 2021 or yeah yeah, 2020, right. 20, 20, yeah 2021 season, they started this thing called the G League Ignite, and basically it was during the time when the NIL wasn't wasn't a thing, right? So like kids kids couldn't get paid in college with these NIL deals and all these massive figures and everything like that. So they wanted to create a way for these kids to get paid. They didn't have to go to college and, and kind of uh, bridge that gap of the one-and-done rule because the NBA does like the, the actual rule of the one-and-done um, because it allows these teams to not only get another year of evaluation but another year ready for uh, for the NBA because it is hard, it is hard to evaluate a kid coming come right out of high school when they're playing against... Right. 17, 18-year-old kids, right? Mm-hmm. But besides, like, the LeBron James and the Kevin Garnetts and the Kobe Bryants, I mean, like, the, there has been a lot of a lot of guys who have came and, and, and not been ready. Right. So, this, this G League night kind of kind of gave another option to these kids. And the, the first year, they had a very successful year. They had Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, Deshaun Nicks. um I, I bet I'm forgetting a few, but the, all yeah, those yeah. guys, all those guys went, like, the top... I mean, Deshaun Nicks fell to the second round, but... Some of these guys went in the top 14 picks and and ended up having uh, pretty pretty good rookie years. but the, during that year they were in the bubble, the G League bubble and uh, I don't think they made it to the playoffs, but but they were very very competitive. Last year they, they, they had a similar type type season they had. They didn't have as many top guys, but they had Jaden Hardy who got drafted, Marshawn Beauchamp who got drafted. Um, and they had a successful season, but they didn't compete in the actual G League. They, they only played around 20 games, out of, and the G League teams played around 50. So this year, they kind of switched with the model a little bit. And uh, they are competing in the full G League season now, the G League Ignite, but they, they have signed uh, more veteran players. So they have a Pooh Jetter, who's 39 years old, who plays on that team. They have Aubrey Dawkins, who played, played I think, two years in the G League and then uh, a year overseas. He came back and he's playing with the team now. They have a couple guys who have been really good in the G League, a couple guys really, really good overseas. They came back to compliment those players um, who are the top draft picks, right? right. So the, the Mojave Kings, the Shoot Hendersons, the Leonard Millers, the uh, uh, City Siscos, those guys. So, so they have kind of like that veteran leadership with them. So um the first half of the season they didn't play that well but they gave us two really two really tough games and uh it's honestly like a it's a very good option for these kids to to do because you get to play in g-league town you you have more of a more of an understanding of the nba game because it is different Um, right and and then it also gives gives people just an opportunity to to go out there and. play against men i mean co- college mm-hmm. is co- college is great college is a very difficult game it's uh, it's probably more difficult to score in college as, as it's as like you a different sport that, though yeah with 152 points but the rules are just so different i was talking to my good friend nevin Zink. hopefully yeah. nevin's listening to this podcast right now but he better um, be yeah, yeah he's, he's got to download that thing too um <laughs> we were talking about like he was like 152 points i'm like bro we shot 104 shots. Like you guys shoot like 46 shots in a game. Like it's just yeah. a totally different game. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the game's eight yeah. minutes longer. The rules are different. The shot, like the shot clock is different, um, and the philosophy of the game is just so different. So I think overall it was a, uh, it, like we obviously played really well and in, um, in that mm-hmm. game. But I think the G League is a great option, and, and honestly, it's a Very lot of those have, have mm-hmm. seen success.
2: Right between that and the two way, like the G League has just. Within the last 10, 15 years, is so different and so much like better for guys in your situation and in that situation. Um, I was gonna say, oh, Javante McCoy, teammate of Nevin Zink, yep, tied with you, leading scorer the other night. Yeah, so he, how about he, that? He, yeah, he had a, he had a
1: great game. Uh, Javante's just gotten better and better throughout the season. He's such a gifted scorer. If anyone's watched South Bay play, uh, they they know they know Javante's a very gifted scorer. Um, and He's just gotten better and better, so I'm, I'm happy guy. to see him. Yeah, you guy, guy. Yep, Patriot League guy. Yep. So um, a, a little, a little different, different path to to being where where we are, but right. Um, definitely happy for him and seeing him get having that success.
2: Yeah. Um, all right, so I, I don't know if I wanted to ask you this, but I think I have to ask you because every week we talk about Qs, we did that. Every two- week we talk about South Bay, we did that, and then we move on to the L. A. Lakers. Yeah. The big story this year this week is uh I mean, what the hell is going on with the refs? <laughs> like what does it feel within the locker room within you guys being like this what four games now where Yeah.
1: Um it, it it's been tough, man. I I I think the the reaction that LeBron showed in that game like kind of just if you really watch the L.A. Lakers, I saw a bunch of Boston people, like, how could LeBron, like, react like this? Like, like why would he ever, like, if you really, if you've really watched the season, you would understand the frustration level and how it got to this point. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, we've lost close games at the beginning of the year, like, midway to, to this point now. Now, you know what I mean? Like, we've lost close games mm-hmm. every single part of the season, like. I, I can only really count, like, two games off the top of my head where we won, like, those, like, those like, 50-50 games. The Pelicans, where Matt Ryan hit a crazy shot in the corner. Yep. That was a game that we probably shouldn't have won. And then I would probably say the Trailblazers. I mean, like, the game that we yeah. were down 25 points. Other than that, I think we've lost that, uh, all
2: those. That evens out, though, because when Portland played you guys at home, that was another game that you guys yeah. definitely should have won. And, and also, all the uh, way. Uh,
1: I'll throw Memphis in there as well. Memphis, we could have very easily lost that game. Oh, the ESPN game? Yeah. Yeah, ESPN game, yeah. But um, besides that... There's definitely
2: been more... To your point, there's been more in the other... Like, not in your favor. Yeah. So... You know what I mean?
1: I was going over this a little bit with Trevor Lane on his podcast. You have the Mavericks game where LeBron gets fouled. The NBA comes out in the two-minute report and Troy Brown mighty got fouled on that three point shot at the end of regulation. Oh, he definitely You have you have the Russell Westbrook playing against the the 76ers where like there's a picture of Joel Embiid holding yeah. his wrist even yeah. though the 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 two minute report said that he didn't foul him. Um, uh, that could be arg- argument for a foul. Right. The game after that Kendrick Nunn gets absolutely hit on a three point shot that would have cut it to one point and given us a chance to win. And then the, the Celtics game is just like those four games within a week and a half span, it's like no wonder LeBron's like upset. Or yeah, angry.
2: hundred percent. How does uh how do the players feel about the two minute report?
1: Honestly, I think at this point there's like when you're on this side of it this this many times, it's almost like just so frustrating you don't even want to see it. You know what I mean? Like
2: that's like what I don't really get the point of it. Yeah. I
1: feel like a lot of fans think that way too. It's like,
2: okay, well, if you're not going to go back and change the call of the result, like, what is the point of saying you're wrong? I actually saw a I just saw a really good
1: quote the other day talking about like we have the technology now where someone could call down from Secaucus or wherever they are. Yeah, know, like, immediately. Call it on the floor. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there was obvi- that was obviously like in football, like they have those red challenge flags, right? Like, I, right. I don't know. It's, it's just another rule that uh, we go on and on about. Just and I, being on the other side, if, if if I'm the Boston Celtics, like no, don't change that rule. You know what I mean? Like it's just totally yeah. different. But being on the side on this side of it, that much, it's almost like to a point where it's like the coach should get the challenge back if he get if he makes a successful one. Like same thing as the NFL. Yeah, I don't really get that rule either. I guess they want to speed up the game, but also you think about it in, in college. Under two minutes, everything's reviewed. So everything out of bounds, everything, like, you know what I mean? All those all those calls are being reviewed, and it makes the game very long. But at the end of the day, like, you want the game to end how it's supposed to end. You want the team right. who's supposed to win to win. So, I don't know. I, it's, I just it's think so that
2: the, uh, the inconsistency with the rules is, like, what's very frustrating. Because, like you're saying, they want to speed it up. It could get too long. But the other day, you get that call. Like, he very clearly got followed by Tatum. Any fan who gets, like, mad, I don't think... It would have been a 20-second review. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it's like, that can't be reviewed, but then another thing... Like, this this ball that clearly went out on, you know, the Lakers or the Celtics, whoever it may be. But then they go over and review that. It's like, yeah. why is... I don't know. It's just very hypocritical at times, but...
1: And, it, and it's, like, it's to a point now where it's, like, LeBron's not getting any calls. Like <laughs> yeah, like what's going on? Yeah. Like, he... All right, think about it. He's thirty eight, and he's still driving to the basket as much as anybody in the NBA. Mm. It's just, nah, I don't, I don't, even, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it, just being, maybe being on this side. It's just, it's just.
2: Yeah, it just. He's also not like a foul baiter. He's never been one of those guys, so. At yeah, all. It's just. It makes like no sense. <laughs> His reaction was like pretty <laughs> hilarious. You got that.
1: I mean, like everyone, everyone from Boston's like, "Oh, like how could how could your king react like this?" It's like, no, like, like if you, if if, Patty, right? You've watched almost all of our games. Like, yeah. I almost thought the reaction was like not enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was just like, I don't know. It's a very relatable thing in a way because it's like, holy shit! Like, how does this keep happening? Yeah. But, I mean, there's nothing you could do at that point. Yeah. other people are like oh like anyone else does that they get a technical it's like alright well yeah no one else is LeBron so maybe they do but who cares
1: and we end up getting a technical anyways obviously Pat Bev shouldn't have done that but like like we got a technical yeah. anyways so it's, like <laughs> yeah
2: it ended up evening out but Pat yeah. Bev was really worth it that was the funniest clip ever <laughs>
1: <laughs> just fits his personality perfectly
2: yeah it's, like, so on brand, but Pat Bev, him and Dame, big beef. I, I, I had, I had like, both allegiances there because I'm a huge Dame guy, but obviously now <laughs> I'm a Lakers fan, so I don't know where to go with that one.
1: But, yeah, I mean, Dame's, Dame's unbelievable. He's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, dude, He's. I saw a clip from Pat Bev's pod, actually, that uh, some people on, like, the teams they played after were hitting him up, like, dude, why'd you piss him off because he's just taking it <laughs> out on us now. <laughs> That's hilarious. Which is so funny. It's also true, but um, yeah. Shout out, Pet Pet Pod. Shout out, Dane. Um, yep. Swatter, so we just got the call. We are 23 minutes in um, this interview with Trevor Lane. I was not on for the first like 12, 15 minutes due to uh, being at work. So,
1: well, I think that was that was good, Patty. Uh, good, good pre-show. We're gonna we're gonna hit, uh, kick it over to, to the Trevor Lane podcast. Really appreciate all you guys for tuning in this week. Uh, follow us on all platforms at Swider Show. Email us your questions at swidershow at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Swider Show. Um, Other things to add, real quick. Yep, go ahead.
2: Trevor Lane, maybe the biggest Lakers presence on Twitter, one of them. Give him a follow on Twitter and on Instagram. Also, he runs uh, the Lakers Nation podcast. Yep. And our very own Cole Swider joined him today, our first ever home and home Yes. so uh yeah we'll we'll retweet you know share that on the story on instagram so keep an eye out for that i haven't listened yet i'll be listening with all you guys when it drops but um yeah i'm sure it's a great interview we appreciate the home and home very exciting so yeah, yeah give man. that give that a listen as well as this one
1: i also just want to thank you guys too our, our max tracy episode was our biggest episode to date um so that that's uh that's that's we're very thankful for that. And we're, we're obviously very excited for our partnership to continue with Blue Wire. So right. um, excited for that and uh, yeah, here's Trevor.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: Welcome back. Uh, we're here with uh, Trevor Lane of uh, Lakers Nation. Um, Trevor, how you doing, man?
3: I'm doing well, doing well, Cole. Thank you so much for for having me on. I- excited to be on the show.
1: Yeah, man. Excited to have you too. Obviously, this is a little different kind of guest for us. We're used to having some basketball players, some athletes, and uh, really excited to have Trevor on because of he has a lot of insight on the Lakers, a lot of um, a lot of time covering the Lakers as well. So, uh, first of all, first off. Um, how do you get involved in the podcast game, and how do you get involved with with covering the Lakers? Obviously, you've been doing it for a while now, and and what was what was, what was kind of the start of that?
3: Yeah, it's been about seven years now with the with the Lakers Nation uh, podcast, which is I mean, blows my mind that it's it's been that long. Um, that that here we are, it's still you know become what it what it's become. But um, I initially started. I was I was a classroom teacher for uh, for thirteen years. I taught uh, eighth grade U.S. history. And uh, I always knew that I wanted to do something on the side. To want to do something aside from just you know teaching and coaching. And I coach basketball. I coach soccer. I coach all the sports. You know, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, and I always wanted to do something something else on the side of of teaching. And uh, and so I got into writing. And writing was something that I always enjoyed and loved doing. I tried writing a few novels and. Failed at those because my attention was always being drawn by basketball, and I was I was just constantly reading basketball news and and keeping up to date on all of the rumors and things like that. And uh, I ultimately decided, you know what, you need to write what you love, and so I started writing basketball. Started up a uh, my own blog to kind of just act as a writing portfolio. Used that to ultimately pitch uh, some sites. Got on one place, then got an offer from from Lakers Nation to come in and started off just writing one editorial a week for them. This was back. I started up when Jeremy Lin was a was a Laker to uh, wow. to to date it, but um, so I was writing one editorial a week, and they didn't have a podcast at the time. And I raised my hand and said, "I'm going to make a fool of myself for a bit, but I'll uh, I'll give it my best and and give it a go. And and uh, as long as you let me kind of grow and improve and and all of that, then uh, then I'll run this thing. And uh, it's just it's taken off from there, and eventually got to a point where uh, I left teaching behind and and made this my my full time uh endeavor is is running the lakers nation podcast and youtube channel and managing the media for the company and and all of that so i I didn't think this was where it would go ultimately but um it just grew and grew and grew and got to this point it's been a labor labor of love and i'm incredibly grateful and just humbled that uh that this is where it's gotten to to the point where this is now my my career
1: can you explain lakers Nation uh to to, to to the listeners obviously People know for being a, a very successful um, brand of the Lakers or the social media account of Lakers, but can you talk about like the the monetization of Lakers Nation? Uh, wh- where you guys kind of started and, and and how it's grown over the years?
3: Sure. So Lakers Nation originally started, and this was before I got there. Pe- people think that I own Lakers Lakers Nation, which is not accurate. Um, but Lakers Nation started before I was I was around before I was involved. Um, I want to say it was either 2011 or 2009, one or the other. It's It started up um, before I became involved in it. And they started off just fans uh, creating a site and, and developing it and um, writing all the different Lakers news stories and just really staying on top of everything. And that grew and grew and grew. Um, and ultimately, they brought in a, another company that, that came in and kind of took it over. And it just continued to grow initially as as a website. And it was just, you know, it was all about, web traffic and and being able to draw in readers and draw in fans who were looking for rumors and news and bringing in of course writers and talent that could come in and provide that kind of of content and the kind of analysis that that people were looking for the the true you know the diehard fans that were looking for even more than what they were getting just you know on the national level and then since that time we've um we've obviously continued our, our written side of things lakersnation.com is still um this this massive behemoth of a, of a website but um, now, obviously, we've got the the podcast side of things. We've got the video side of things. Uh, the Instagram account. We've got um all these different avenues that have have ultimately been been monetized and helped to bring in more viewers and, and more engagement, and all of that just kind of hitting these different areas. So, it's grown and expanded very organically over the years, and that's been my big involvement was transitioning ultimately from writing and just having the focus being on the website. To ultimately expanding out into video and audio and that's um you know again that's been my primary focus with the company for the last probably four or five years now that i've been really just pushing that side of things and and growing that out and like i said for you know fortunately and i'm, I'm extremely grateful that it's been um very successful in, in doing that
1: so so you talk about how your first year was with jeremy lynn and obviously kobe was on the team and then you you there was a transition period of, of plant of these young players and then lebron comes then anthony davis comes talk about the transition that, that you've seen from your time covering the lakers and and ha- how you go from the bottom of the nba the number two pick in the draft multiple years to an nba championship to the, this to where we are now with russell westbrook and ad and lebron and talk about the the kind of how your job has changed with the uh with how the lakers have changed
3: oh it's it's changed a ton um it's it was great getting to cover a championship team uh, because we went through those those down periods. Um, and you know, there, there's a thing in in journalism in general, but you see it quite a bit in the NBA where um, you, you you see journalists who they essentially they turn in their fan card right when they when they become a professional. And this is what they're what they're doing. There's guys who grew up following a certain team and they decide, you know what? Hey, I'm going to become impartial and I'm going to turn in my fan card and I'm no longer going to be that. Uh, I'm no longer a fan of any team I'm going to try to be unbiased. And sometimes that bias still creeps in every now and then. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to be genuine and and do that. Um, I grew up on the Lakers. My earliest memory is literally of watching the Lakers, watching Magic Johnson and and Kareem and Showtime and and all of that sort of stuff. So it was just too deeply ingrained in me to just say, you know what, I'm going to be a totally impartial observer. So instead, I said, I'm going to go the other way with it. I'm going to lean into what's been, what's uh, going on here. And so when the Lakers have these ebbs and flows, I'm feeling it too. Just like, just like everybody else is. Um, I am definitely a, a fan of the, of the team and a supporter and all of that. So when they had the down period, when we're seeing 17 wins and, yeah. and all of that, our, our show was, was largely like our post-game show was a lot of kind of. Like, like pure mediation. It was a lot of people just getting, (laughs) just getting together and like commiserating and well, okay. They lost by 20, but you know what? Hey, Hey, but Brandon Ingram did that, that one thing that looked pretty good. So maybe he's going to turn into something at at some point. So you go from that to, Oh my gosh, the Lakers are the top team in the West to, are they going to, is this really going to happen? Are they going to win the championship? How do they stack up against the other top teams? I mean, what a, what a difference when you go from, just talking about lottery odds and draft picks, and should they win this game or not? Is it better to get more ping pong balls to go from that to okay, this is legit, we're going to win a championship? That's ooh, that that was a definite roller coaster. It was a lot of fun, and now where the team's at, it's gone. It's almost slipped back a little bit to where it's a lot of that kind of peer mediation. It's it's like group therapy or something when they when they lose games when you guys, because we we wind up sensing that frustration from fans and so we kind of we've gone from becoming almost purely celebration in terms of fueling that celebration after the games to okay how do we get they lost another tough game how do we get through that and so that's how my job kind of shifts as the as the team shifts and goes through these cycles and the ebbs and flows and of course when we have a big win it's it goes right back to celebration and everybody's (laughs) that, that high there's no question there Talk
1: about covering the Lakers and the Lakers being one of the most recognizable names in, in all of sports. It's probably the, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Yankees, the Red Sox, um, the Chicago Bulls when Jordan was there. Talk about covering the Lakers, the prestige of the Lakers. And do you think that a Lakers nation would be able to be what it is if, if you were in Orlando or if you were in um, maybe some of these lower market cities?
3: Yeah, I mean, we we certainly benefit from covering the Lakers and them being what is it? I think it's like they're like the seventh most valuable sports sports franchise in the world, you know, the most popular team in the world, and 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 all of that, and I always top in jersey sales and, and everything. Um, there's definitely a benefit to that. We get Lakers fans from all over the. You know, we did a Lakers Nation uh, watch party a couple right before uh, COVID hit, right before that that broke out. We did a big watch party in L.A. and it was a blast. And we had people who flew in from Australia because they're Lakers fans in Australia that wanted to come in and be a part of it. You know, I get international fans coming in all the time and I I don't think that would be true to the same degree with, with another team. Um, It means there's a lot of visibility, but it also means for us that we've got to be, we've really got to be on the ball with everything. We've got to be accurate with what we're saying and what we're doing and what we're covering. We've got to be professional with, with everything, because it means that that spotlight is also intensified on us. If you make a mistake, People are going to to notice that more than they would with a smaller market team. So we certainly feel that as as well. Um, that sense of responsibility of knowing, you know, how big uh, the Lakers are, how big you know now Lakers Nation has has become as well. And understanding that while that's amazing, and there's times when I sit back and I think, oh my gosh, this many people saw our show or listened to our show, and and how incredible is that, and feel so uh, amazed by it. But there's also not to go to Spider-Man with it or whatever, with great power comes great responsibility. But there's, there's there's a sense of that means that we, you know, we have to raise our, our game to that level as well. And we have to meet that challenge.
1: For sure, man. I, I definitely understand that. Um, you've obviously gone through a lot of and flows of being a Lakers fan. But talking about being obviously a franchise that everyone watches, what was the coolest story that, that you can recall from covering the Lakers or on your podcast or or just any, anything, it might be a watch party. Just kind of talk about
3: the coolest moment. Um, I've had a number of, of of amazing. I mean, like in terms of athletes and stuff who have said they've watched the show or they've listened to the show or, or things like that, or you know, being recognized out out places or if you're out at a game or whatever like that. That stuff is all is all cool. That stuff is all amazing. But I. I think the best thing for me um, it has been when when kobe passed um the uh, the coolest thing and again this is that obviously was not a positive moment at all yeah. that was a very negative moment and one of the things about about sports and sports fandom is there's a connectivity that comes with it there's shared experience and the power and the power of that where people can feel sympathy empathy for for each other because they're experiencing the same emotions at the same time. And one of the things that we do a lot with Lakers nation is just getting fans together, right. Is, is coming together as a community, whether it's before the games, whether it's after the ga- after the games on the shows and things of that nature. And when Kobe passed, the coolest thing to me was seeing all these people that have been in this, this big community, just lean on each other and support yeah. each other and, and help each other. And to me, that was, that was so meaningful and so incredible i mean it gives me goosebumps to this day to think about how many people were just reaching out and helping each other who were going through a difficult time everybody understood what each other was feeling and just that that element of of that very very difficult time seeing people support each other in the way that they did um that was my, my proudest moment through doing all of this stuff is thinking that in some way we helped to facilitate that and seeing so many people step up and support each other in that moment was was absolutely amazing I,
1: I can only imagine how you how you kind of felt after Kobe's passing right we, our last episode Patty and I kind of went through where we were when it happened can you can you kind of talk about what Kobe meant to you what he what he meant to the Lakers obviously you you came in the time when Kobe was kind of at the end of his career but you've been a Lakers fan your whole entire life can, can you can you kind of go off of that
3: Yeah. So um, Kobe was only a a few years older than than me. So I always felt very connected in that. I remember being blown away that the Lakers had drafted a guy who was who was, you know, I would think I was going into my freshman year in high school and and hearing that the Lakers had drafted a guy who was just coming out of high school was I mean, that was that was mind blowing. Oh, my God. There's a guy that's not that much older than me. It's going to be playing with the Lakers like that was that was uh, unbelievable. And then um, and I grew up, you know, a big Magic Johnson fan and, and all of that like he was always my guy and then suddenly there's this kid That's that you know, I could relate to and, and all of that that's on the team And then you know, I look back and I think about all the the milestones of of my life as far as you know Going to college and getting married and, and having a kid and, and all that kind of stuff um, You can see sort of parallels like as and it's, it's true for everybody from my generation as we grew up you're watching kobe hit these these milestones too you're watching you're watching the the struggles the trials and tribulations the air balls against utah in the playoffs yeah. and then and then breaking through and then and battling through injuries and and everything going on with shaq and then he gets traded and kobe has to hit a new level as a as a leader and, and he hits that that maturation process and, and, and then pow and i mean just all the different things along the way there were always those parallels you could see kobe going through his life's progression just as as we we were so um it was it there's this incredible connection because of that and uh and that that day obviously when that happened uh, i'll never forget like we lakers nation like that when news comes out like we drop everything and we jump on it and we're getting coverage out there immediately we were essentially radio silent in terms of anything official like i think we had some stuff out on social media but we had nothing out for a few hours i think we were all just in complete shock we were all incredibly sad and i'll never forget the um the owner of the, the company messaged me messaged me and said hey i know you guys are all sad you guys are all upset right now and i totally understand but um we need something on this you need to write something and i and i just it like snapped me out of it and i went oh my gosh yeah, like yeah and uh and i sat down and i wrote the piece that's uh that's pinned to my uh, my Twitter account now at Trevor Lane, um, I think I called it the piece I never wanted to write and uh, And it just it was one of those moments if you if you've done any writing or anything where sometimes you sit down and just Everything just comes out and just flows and, and it's not a struggle It's not a fight and it was one of those stories and so that was that that day just kind of letting all of that out and then putting out that that piece um, and then later on that evening going on a live broadcast in order to kind of bring fans together and, and discuss it because we all had that 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 connection to Kobe and I was only in an interview with him once and that was it But we all had that that connection over the years to him and so it was uh, it was certainly a surreal moment and uh, Not one that's uh, that's all often fun to to think about for sure.
1: I was I was, uh, I was at school at Villanova and uh my teammate Sadiq at the time he plays in the Pistons now, he uh, he's a huge Kobe fan. And uh, Lower Marion is, like, right down the street from Villanova. So myself, Brian Antoine, who's a teammate of mine, Sadiq, we all went down to Lower Marion and checked out. They, they had a little, uh, uh, like, a little memory of him in terms of pictures of him and everything like that. And I just remember just looking at my right and left and just seeing tears, and it's like, how a human being and a person who... Is younger than our parents, right? Can can impact us so much. Um, I, it was just it was just very very powerful, and I, Patty was talking about it last week. Just just being, just just those moments that that we remember, right? Like people have those moments when Matt, Michael Jackson died, right? Like like they, they know exactly where they were, and and that's yeah, remember that's, where
3: I was when moments. Yep, for sure.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. It's kind of kind of going back into the Lakers this season, right? Um, the the two intense ten start that, that that we did have. Um, and then the success that the success we've had, the five game winning streaks, the the ups and downs. Um, can, let, let me let me just hear your uh, what, what you would talk about on Lakers Nation podcast with the ups and flows of the season, and how how do you think the season's gone, and, and where do you think we're going uh, at this point of the season?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly that frustration that's been built in that we that we've talked about um, in terms of the team seems like they're they're better than their record, right? They're, yeah they're better than a, than a 13th seed right now. And it seems like they just haven't been able to get over that hump and, and break through. And so we've talked about that quite a bit. We've talked about um, the two and ten start and how that kind of set them back and how they're, again, if you were able to get rid of that portion of the season where they'd, they'd really be standing, then of course the, the close losses that we've got, what, four games where no calls at the end of the game possibly changed the outcome. And so there's been a lot of frustration over, over that as well, but I'll tell you what though, um, Last season was I've called it that that was the the worst season in in team history and in my mind, or at least the most miserable in terms of of covering the team, because it just it felt like night in and night out that that level of competition wasn't there. Um, You could see it where there were there were games where the guys just went, man, we don't we don't have a shot in this. They would get down and that would be it. And there would be no comeback and or anything like that. And, and so that made last season very difficult to to cover. Um, no draft pick to look forward to or, or anything like that. So there's no silver lining on it. It was just, just a grind of a season. This year, while there's the frustration that, okay, they're not winning as much as, as fans would, would want to see them win, there's still the sense that this team is better than what the record shows and that ultimately that will matter in the long run. And I know the clock is ticking and, and all of that, but there's also the sense of, Oh my gosh, this team never stops. Like they, they just, they don't quit. They just like, there's games where you think they're not going to be, and they find ways to claw their way back in. I know that's obviously coming off of a, a tough loss um, the other night to, to Brooklyn, but, but they find ways to, to stick in games and claw their way in and make things interesting. And that can lead to some heartbreaking losses, but they've also played so many top tier teams. So tough all season long and so that's been something that has been such a a positive, is just seeing the the competitive nature of this squad, where it's like this team gets out, some a team comes out and, and punches this team, and they get up and they punch back, and that's that's been so much more enjoyable. Just knowing that this is a squad that's got that kind of kind of fight in them. So that's been a huge difference for for us this year for sure, and, and it's something that's been very much appreciated by fans. So when.
1: When we beat the Nuggets or, or we have a t- t- tough loss to the Celtics, what what's kind of like the I don't, don't want to call it silver lining, but it, you you talk about how the team fights in it, every in every night, every night we, we fight. What's the idea within the fan base? Because I, I don't like to go on Twitter that much. I don't like to read all the comments because it's you, you know how you know you know how it gets. Um, What's the idea in terms of what do you think this this team's ceiling is in terms of what we can do in the playoffs? Because I, I, I we've had conversations as a team. It's like all right, like the Nuggets supposed to be the number one seed. Like in the playoffs, in a seven-game series, you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. You have all these guys healthy. We, we could we could steal a
3: round. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that that's definitely there. That, that's the the sentiment. And and I'll tell you, there's there's a couple of factors to that. So that is definitely out there. That. Good lord! This, they, you get this team into the playoffs, and they can very easily, right? Even if they're not, even if they're a play-in team, they could very easily jump into that spot and be be the team that nobody wants to see—that proverbial first-round opponent that nobody wants. Where suddenly you're Denver or you're Memphis or or whoever, and you're going, oh, damn! I've you know I've got to go against LeBron and AD right in 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 round one, and that's what a terrible draw. Um, they could definitely be that team, and you could be the squad that could make somebody fall out early. You can knock somebody out. You've got that that kind of talent. And certainly the, the feeling is that if you can tweak some things, maybe it's at the trade deadline coming up, maybe you can increase that. You can raise the ceiling of the team overall. There is concern, of course, with LeBron and Anthony Davis that what kind of heavy lifting are they going to have to do in order yeah. to get the team to, to that point? And then what do they still have in the gas tank? come playoff time so you've got that element out there as well that optimism that hey just get in and anything can happen but then that concern about what how much fuel is going to be left in the tank once they do get there now that they kind of have to battle their way back up so you've got both of those things in addition to the game by game roller coaster you know there is it's an oversimplification, but there is a lot of the, the Lakers won. Everything is great. The the sun is shining. Everything's fantastic. Oh, they lost. It's the opposite. The sky is falling. Yeah. That's just, but that's just kind of the nature of uh, of fandom. Trevor.
2: um, I want to introduce myself real quick. I'm Patty. (laughs) Appreciate (laughs) your your flexibility here. I was, Um, I apologize to our listeners. I'm sure they're very upset to, to hear me not on the, on the interview at first, but let's finish up some work stuff. However, um, we won't keep you too much longer here. We know Swatter has a game tonight. But um, you just mentioned, so Swatter, this may be a question that he might not feel as comfortable asking. However, I am like most of your listeners, most of your readers, that I am just a Lakers fan at this point. And a lot of the rhetoric this year has been around, one, are the Lakers going to make a trade? And two, if they do, do you think they'll include those two draft picks, 27 and 29? Probably the most valuable assets in the league at this point with how far in advance they are. And how I don't know. There's just a lot of unknown. If if a franchise gets that, it could potentially be you know a franchise altering type thing in the future. From your aspect, you're hearing day in day out. Do you think one there will be a move that's made,
3: and two, do you, if if there is, do you think those are included? So from everything I've heard around the league, the the challenge right now is what happens with the market itself, and it's not it's not necessarily Lakers specific. It's right now it's a very much a, a seller's market. Um, And again, this is from multiple angles here, hearing this, that it's a seller's market. And so you've got all the teams that have that are saying, hey, we're we're not worried about winning games this season. We've got these players that we're willing to trade away. They're demanding a lot for those for those players, Um, a lot, a lot. Um, The hope is from the Lakers side that getting Rui Hachimura without having to include a first round round pick perhaps resets the market to some degree so that all these teams that are stomping their feet and saying, oh, you want uh, this role player. Well, the price is unprotected, an unprotected first round pick and that they normalize a little bit because right now prices are just they're sky high. Now, again, the clock is ticking. February 9th is coming up quick, but that's the hope one that the that the market conditions do shift to some degree heading into into the trade deadline. And if that occurs, then I think it increases the likelihood that the Lakers can can make a deal um, and include one or more of those picks. And what we've heard Rob Polinka say multiple times was hey, we're not going to trade these picks unless it's the type of move yeah. that can build, can bump us up to being a contending team. And again, I think it's going to take the market coming down a bit for that type of move, if that that's even out there, to become available. So I'm always a little pessimistic that a trade's going to go down, period, just because deals are so difficult to negotiate in the NBA, uh, particularly once you get into like a three or a four team deal or something like that. That can be very, very difficult to pull off, just you have so many different ideas of value and things like that that are out there. Um, but I do believe that the Lakers are going to do everything they can to find something to give them a, a little bit of a boost. And obviously adding Rui Hachimura, I think, does give them mm-hmm. a little bit more leverage to be able to say, hey, we already got a piece here. We got a guy who can help us a bit on the wing right now. Um, so they don't have to do something. They're not backed into being forced to to make a move, but if the market conditions get a bit better and the team to watch right now is Toronto, if they decide to put some of their players out there for trade, um, that, I think, could provide an opportunity for the Lakers to to do something. But it's going to take that that happening first. I think that's got to be the first domino to fall. Prices have got to come down. And this isn't out of the ordinary. This happens sometimes before, before trade deadlines. But nonetheless, that's what everybody's waiting for at the moment.
2: Uh, hearing you say that's what... A lot of team experience what people wait for I feel like that's definitely true but when you're the Los Angeles Lakers and there's a sentiment that you have LeBron and you can't really a, a very common way of thinking is like if you have LeBron James he's still averaging 30 and 8 a night if you don't completely sell out to try and win a championship that year then in a way it's kind of wasting one of his prime years so with that in mind I mean you just mentioned Toronto, um, I'm assuming that would probably mean Ananobi or someone like that. Do you think from the Lakers' standpoint, there's more pressure, not only with the LeBron thing, but also with being the Lakers, that the fan base is pushing for them to make a deal at this point where if there was another situation, it might be a or a, a different way of thinking where it's not as much pressure to maximize every single season? Oh, sure.
3: I mean, I mean what was it, just a couple of days ago, Kawhi mentioned they need a point guard. You imagine if LeBron said that? Yeah, like, it would that be, would be sh- like front page news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, and, and it barely and it barely made a ripple. Um, it's it, it, it's it's definitely the Lakers' dynamic. That, that's certainly something that's a factor in all of this. There's going to be that pressure there, and let's face that's a, that's a factor in trade negotiations too. There's there's teams out there that look at the Lakers and go, at the Lakers. Oh. No, they've they've had. I don't want to trade with that team. They've had enough. They beat us this year. Or whatever. I don't want to talk to them. So. There, oh, you think you think there's
2: you think there's some personal vendettas in there too? i
3: that's never saw sure. that. Oh, wow. for sure. Be- between for sure. Be- between GMs and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, we've heard about that's nice and juicy. Yeah, <laughs> certain certain, <laughs> certain, te- certain teams who you know maybe don't have fond memories of of Rob Palenka from when he was an agent, right? Like the, there's, I mean, that kind of stuff mattered. Like it's no, you look and, and you see like is it is it any surprise that Kevin Garnett wound up a Celtic? When it's Kevin McHale and Danny yep. Ainge, the ones that are that are involved in the trade. And then you see, look, the Lakers have done multiple deals now with the Wizards. They've done multiple deals with the Orlando Magic. These relationships matter, too, in the trades beyond just, hey, these salaries match up. This team has draft capital. This team doesn't. This team's a buyer. This team's a seller. Those interpersonal relationships absolutely matter.
2: Yeah. yeah. The the one example that comes to mind there, too, is, uh, wasn't there something with Vladi Divac and, and Luka's family or dad or something? So he didn't want to draft him with the Kings? I I
3: don't know if that
2: – I, I don't know enough about up. it. All, but If if that's true, then credit the Swider Show. If
1: not, then
3: I didn't say that. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll put that out yeah. there. That, that will yeah. get aggregated. Yeah.
1: <laughs> With uh, – obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the LeBron scoring record coming up. Being, being a guy who covers the Lakers year in and year out, we got, Kareem obviously has the, the scoring record right now. Talk about the significance of the scoring record. What, how cool that is that LeBron's gonna be doing in a Laker uniform, and the sustained excellence that LeBron's had. I mean, Patty and I talk about this every single episode. He's, yeah. he had a stretch when eighty went out where he averaged thirty six. I think he's averaged thirty six since, since his birthday, since the Atlanta Hawks game. Just talk about the sustained excellence that he's placed in year twenty, and and how 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 as Laker fans, we kind of get caught up in in like, oh, like he should be doing this from from where it should be like we we're, were we should be honored to be watching this
3: it's it's on it's the it's the kind of thing where we see him night in night out doing this stuff and so it just it's it's become expected and you have to force yourself to stop and say wait a second he's 38 years old and he's doing that. <laughs> like you have to stop and remind yourself like this should not be happening right now what we're seeing is not normal at all i mean this is just about unprecedented in sports for somebody to be performing at this level right now. I remember the last days of of Kareem, the last few seasons of Kareem, and it, you know, it didn't look like this. This is this is unbelievable. What Magic is, or what Magic? What LeBron is doing right now? Uh, he got me stuck back in the Showtime era for a moment there. But um, <laughs> what what LeBron's doing right now is is absolutely incredible, and he's gonna break a record that I think most people just assumed was never going to fall because who else was going to play like as long as it took Kareem to, to set that record? Who else was going to be able to play for that long and at that high of a level? That That's the thing. It's not just being able to play for a long time. It's you've got to start hot, right? You've got to come into the league right away with your legs under you and scoring the ball, scoring at a high level, scoring efficiently. And then you have to sustain that for an incredibly long period of time. And LeBron's been able to do that. It is a massive accomplishment, something that, I mean, we may frankly never see this again. Like, that's that's how much of an mm-hmm. outlier this is for LeBron to be able to, to stay healthy this long and continue to play at this level. It is absolutely mind-blowing, and it's going to be a major accomplishment. I can tell you this. I just hope, I know they've got a few games left on the road trip. I hope it happens at home. I hope it happens yeah. in, in L.A., and it adds that it just adds that much more meaning to it, and, and to see it in front of the hometown fans and, and all of that. I hope it happens at home, and uh, and I think LeBron needs to. He gets one shot at it. Throw up the sky hook. Try to do it. <laughs> with, with the sky hook. Why not? You get you get one chance. If you miss it, you can't go back and do it again. But just give it a shot, just because it would be iconic.
2: I thought for a little bit these last couple of weeks he might be aiming for the Garden because they play there tonight. He's going for, like, 45, and I was like, oh, maybe he's trying to get at the Garden, but um, I don't know. I think he's still over, like, 130 away, so unless he has a giant night today, I don't know if that's happening. <laughs> but, Trevor, one last question I had on that topic is, um, so I'm always curious from your aspect, you're a writer, you're specifically a Lakers writer and a podcaster, and you're talking about them day to day, but this is national news that everyone's going to talk about as soon as it happens so individually from your standpoint are you watching that and are you kind of trying to think of a unique or different take that you might be able to give people this perspective of oh I didn't think of that like everyone's kind of talking about this one topic how much are you thinking oh I want to be unique or is it just such a big thing that there's really no way to put into words so it's just trying to describe it the best you can
3: yeah, I, it's just trying to stay true to, to what we do. And and I typically, you know, my background is in is in history. So I tend to look at things from a historical context. That's how I analyze things. That's how I, I break things down. Um, and, and so it's just going to be about, about leaning on that mostly for, for me. Right. I'm not planning on, you know, LeBron shot X number of threes or this many two pointers or he had this many dunks along the way. You know, I know that kind of stuff is going to be out there. And there's so many different people that cover the league in so many different ways. What I tend to do is try to put things into context, big picture, and uh, and so that's that's my plan for for covering it is to continue to right. do that and just really step back and and relish what is going to be an absolutely incredible moment. And once again, reminding everybody how how old he really is and how unheard yeah. of that <laughs> is for somebody who's thirty. I right. mean, Cole, Cole, you know, do you do you ever find yourself doing that when here when you're out on the floor with him, like going, wait a second? this guy's 38 years old and he just and he just threw down that dunk like does that ever do you ever stop and like think about that
1: so i had a moment the other night i talked about it on the last podcast we were playing against the clippers and his last three that he hit to score 46 points i I looked over to the side to one of our assistant coaches jordan not and i was like this is ridiculous like i i don't even know how to like like I, i can't even comprehend what he's doing right now it's it's like the, the the stretch that he's been on the beginning of the season he, would, he was getting back into his flow and, I, and and you could see that you know what I mean he's thirty eight you know what I mean he was still averaging twenty five points a game then he went on this run and it's like like how how is this possible like he's still like he's still a top five player in the NBA he's still leading a team like he's putting us in a situation to win every single night so then the timeout happened and Juan Descano Anderson kind of came over to me and I was like I was like do you even like realize like how special this is like I I. I LeBron's my favorite player ever. Growing up, and he's like he's like I I had these pinch me moments with Steph as well. He said when there was a there was a month where Steph averaged like forty five, and and you just become so accustomed to them doing it that, that you're like all right like this is normal like and you're like you're like dang he missed that shot no like no like you got to step back and realize like this dude has forty six and and this game clinched that he had forty points against every single team in the NBA ever and it's like wow. Like, wow. Yeah, the
2: fashion fashion he's doing it is insane, too. Because, Trevor, you mentioned before, it's like definitely was viewed as one of the more unbreakable records in basketball. And I think if you were to tell anyone 10, 15 years ago, like, yeah, LeBron's going to break this, they would probably envision it being his 20th year. But it's kind of like in the latter half of his career, maybe he's not the best player on his team. He's averaging, you know, like 15 and 8 and – Kind of moving into this different stage of his career, and he is because he plays differently than he did ten years ago. But the production is still the same. Like he has this, he has an opportunity to to not just break this record, but he could absolutely like destroy it within the next couple of years, which is absolutely insane.
3: I mean, Dennis the other day, I guess it was about a month ago or so, was talking about LeBron playing until forty five or something. Like, could you could you imagine if he if he pulls a, a Tom Brady here and next thing you know, like, and you look at what he's doing right now, and you're like. It would yeah, make sense I, if he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's, like, he's still one of the top players. This isn't like yeah. you said. He's not coming off the bench or anything right now and putting right. up, putting up ten points on low efficiency and playing twelve minutes a night or something like that. Like that's not where he's at. Like he's he may blow past this record to the point where where everybody just says you win. That's it. We're not yeah, chasing like that. Yeah, it's,
1: it's untouchable. Yeah. yeah. I I just think at, at this at this point the only thing that can stop him now is, like, his mind. Like, once his mind's done, like, because you, you can just see, like, his, like, he's not, he's obviously lost some athleticism, but, like, it's not to a point where it's, like, he's still more athletic than 95% of the players in the NBA. So, I, I think for him, he, he talks about it sometimes, like, yeah, five, six more years, and we don't know if he's joking around if he's being serious, you know what I mean? Because it's, like, because of how good he is, right? Um, so, yeah, man, it's, it's, just, it's just something that, that I think, as basketball fans and obviously true basketball fans like ourselves and obviously me me being with him it's like let's let's not take these moments for granted like let's really appreciate the greatness that we're watching
3: so th- so that is legit then that's not just Dennis Schroeder joking around or anything like that because he <laughs> mentioned that the other day LeBron really has said like yeah I could play five or six more years
1: uh yeah he has mentioned it like he he's like kind of joking he's like kind of laughing but at the same time it's like alright like this guy's serious you know what I mean <laughs> like <laughs> he
3: can do it he
1: could do it. He, he could definitely do it. He could, man. Well, Trevor, it's been an honor having you on the show, man. Actually, no, one last question. I'm gonna give you your flowers here. Uh, Adam informed me before the show that you have the number 14 basketball podcast uh, in, in all podcast in all of basketball podcasts. Um, what would be some recommendations or uh, advice that you give to me and Patty? Oh, kinda... let's go podcast advice, yeah. <laughs> kind of coming up through the ranks of of, of, of being a pod- of being podcasters
3: well um i would say the biggest thing is just and it's the same as as with writing and first of all thank you thank you very much for the the kind words there but um i'd say the biggest thing is just is finding your voice and that just and that's just something that develops over time and again it's the same thing with with writing figuring out what it is that that kind of separates you and connects you with the audience and uh and then from there it's about it's about consistency i mean it's it's a grind um, but if people know hey every every week at this day this time this show is gonna gonna be here that's how you're going to really develop that following and just being able to have that consistency uh year in and year out and can be able to can keep uh doing that that's what ultimately will will build everything up for you so again once as you're going through the process you find that voice you figure out what it is that allows you to really connect to the audience and then from there it's just making sure that you're you're consistent and you're providing them that experience on a consistent basis and people will, people will tune in. And, um, you know, it's, it's been one of the most rewarding things that that I've, I've done in my life and the connections that I've made, the, the people that I've met and everything doing this. So I can say it is, it has to be a labor of love because it can be thankless at, at times. It can be a grind, particularly in the early going. Um, but in the long run, man, it is, it is worth it. And it is so, so much fun. Well, Trev, Thank you so much from the Swider Show. From me,
1: Adam, Patty. Uh, it's, it's been a blast talking to you and and, and chopping up about some Lakers talk.
2: Yeah, well, th- appreciate it. Thank, thank, thanks, thanks for thank the flexibility so again.
3: Yeah, no problem. And thank you guys so much for having me. This was uh, this was a blast, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to do this again. That's Absolutely. It.
2: What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week. Make sure you're following us on all social media platforms at swider show on Instagram at swider show on Twitter and at swider show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at swider show and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show. Show at gmail.com and of course if you haven't already make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week Cole swider show with patty casey is presented by blue wire podcast and our executive producer is adam lewis the swider show was created by cole swider patty casey and producer adam lewis all rights reserved thank you guys we'll see
0: you next week